0: Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. You know, I was I was gone for two weeks, and uh, so my my wife shared we were very grateful uh, for this church. Um, for letting us go. Um, We went to South Dakota um, for a celebration of life for a family member who passed. And then since we're going to South Dakota, we're like, well, let's go go see Crazy Horse, the big Crazy Horse monument that's being built, which is amazing. And then we saw Mount Rushmore and the Black Hills and the Wind Caves. And then we went to Yellowstone Park. um, And then we even squeezed in a little bit of time with my mom in Pullman, Washington. So it was a lot of driving, a lot of seeing things. and a lot of time with family, kind of remembering that we love each other, you know. So uh, I mean, you know that you love each other, but sometimes you're like so busy you don't ever you don't get to kind of be in love with each other. And so uh, it's just time for our family to be in love with each other. Uh, you know, we stayed in hotel rooms, and I I don't know why, but Comedy Central turns on The Office like all night. It seems like, and so every night we'd watch. You know, we'd go to bed at seven o'clock at night we turned turn on and we watched watch The Office and we'd laugh together. Um, it was a good thing. And uh, it reminded us how beautiful this creation is, um, how God made the world and all these things good, much like Jen uh, was saying earlier. So we praise God for his creation and for his provision. Um, it's good. But it's also be good to be back here. Um, it was really good to hear the prayer requests. I, I say this often. Um, So, you know, not to speak negatively about myself, but I do feel like the sermon is the least important thing that happens here on Sunday morning. It's y'all sharing and praying for one another, interceding for one another, um, spurring one another on to love and good works. Uh, that's, kind of, that's, what, that's what you get to church for. But, that being said, there's still going to be a sermon, so... Don't get too excited. Um, We're in the middle of a series in 1 John. And this is a letter written uh, to people that needed to be reminded of God's love. Uh, There are false teachers amongst them uh, that denied that Jesus was a real person. They just said he kind of looked like a person. He wasn't a real person. He didn't really actually have a body. He's more like a ghost. Um, Because he couldn't have been a real person because uh, the world's bad. Right? And everything in the world's bad. So, you know, our spirits are good, everything in the world is bad. Um, and so they thought that you should ignore the things of this world and only focus on the spirit. And so John is wrote 1 John, kind of rebutting that. Because John knew Jesus. He was one of the disciples. And he wanted people to know that Jesus was real, that Jesus had a real body. And because that God Because God loved the world, Jesus came in flesh to redeem it, to transform and to resurrect and restore a fallen creation to God's purposes. So um, we've we've had a couple of guest preachers. And so I'm coming in on chapter 2. And we're going to be starting at verse 12 and going to verse 27. So feel free to follow along with me. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on the of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And this is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I did not write you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you, about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, because as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him." Uh, Now, there's something in this passage that's a little bit distracting. And so I want to get that out of the way uh, right off the bat, especially maybe because it's Halloween. it's the Antichrist. Um, now this is verse 18. We learned that there's been some teachings from ver- about the Antichrist. Um, in verse 18, John writes, Dear children, this is the last hour. And made, as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. All right, so just some background. There are only four verses in the Bible that uh, use the word Antichrist. And three of them are in 1 John, and one of them is in 2 John. Um, now there's some allusions to like an Antichrist figure in other uh, passages, but the word Antichrist is only used four times. Um, and uh, John gives a really simple definition in verse 22. All right? An Antichrist is someone who knows that Jesus was the Christ. At some point they knew that, and now they deny it. So John, he, he takes away, he really grounds this in real life. He takes away the thread of a, of a spiritual boogeyman, the idea of a false messiah, and, and, and you know from the Left Behind series. And he, he really grounds this in real life, in our real experiences with people that we really know, um, that we interact with. Um, maybe even you know, people that the paths that, we're, that we walk John taught the Antichrist for people that knew Jesus, and that trusted Jesus, but then denies that there's forgiveness and redemption through Jesus. And John makes it clear that that sort of Antichrist is everywhere. And that's the real threat we should be worried about. That's what we should be aware of. Because that sort of Antichrist can make you forget who you are. It can make you forget what you were made for. And that sort of antichrist cuts you off from relationship with God. It offers no grace, no forgiveness, no redemption. And that's a threat to us. Um, Partly because we love these people. I mean, how many of you love someone that has walked away from the faith? That's fallen away? How many of you love somebody like that? I do. I mean, I tell the story often about uh, the kid that lied to me in high school. He invited me to. To so to spend the night and play Dungeons and Dragons, and instead he took me to a Youth for Christ event, and you know I came to know Jesus and was born again. That guy, I love that guy. He's probably my best friend. I I, I literally owe everything in my life to him. But he ended up walking away from the faith. The guy who introduced me to Jesus has become an antichrist. And so. That's scary. There's people that have invested so much of you that have walked away from the faith. Um, and I want to say that this letter doesn't get into um, shaming or accusing or arguing with those antichrists. It, it, that's not what it focuses on. It just warns you to hold on to your forgiveness, to continue to be loving, to pray for one another, to pray for other believers. Right? To pray for the Antichrist, that they can come back to repentance. Uh, back in chapter 1, John wrote that he's not writing to condemn people. He's writing to encourage them to live into their relationship with God. And John warns about these Antichrists because denying Christ denies the forgiveness that he offers. And Christ's forgiveness is what makes us who we are. And and so that's where I really want to spend the bulk of the time, is, is what Christ's forgiveness done. So let's look again at verses 12 and 13. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Once we didn't know God, and we were lost. We are estranged from God, from the world, from one another, and from ourselves. And and the patterns of this world, they, it pits us up against God and leads to destruction. Scripture reminds us of this over and over again. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way that leads to death. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Um, this is the last half of Galatians six seven and the first half of Galatians eight six eight. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. God is the source and the sustainer of all life, and being cut off from that source means death. It's like land without rain, right? Things might hang on for a while, but everything's dying. It's dried out. It becomes lifeless. And we're trapped in the patterns of this world, and this world's broken. Things are not as they should be. But John reminds us that death does not have to be our end, right? Because Christ's forgiveness restores our relationship with God. No longer are we enemies and strangers of God. No longer are we part of the kingdoms of the world. We are not under the bondage of the evil one the one who lies to us and tries to drive a wedge between us and God. No, in Christ, our relationship with God is restored. Because we were made to be with God. We were made to be in relationship with the one who loves and creates and is the author of all good things. And because of this renewed, restored relationship with God, our identity is transformed. Right? We're, we're no longer defined by the patterns of this world. Instead, our identity is with God. It's restored, because we are his creation, made in his image, to do good works in this world. Uh, I love this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis's book, Near Christianity. It's a little bit of a longer one, so it will be coming up so you can follow along with me. It is no good trying to be myself without him. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. In fact, what I so proudly call myself becomes merely the meeting place for trains of events which I never started and which I cannot stop. What I call my wishes become merely the desires thrown up by my physical organism or pumped into me by other men's thoughts or even suggested to me by devils." Uh, Lewis is so prescient here because in and of ourselves, we're just the product of our environment. Um, anyone. That has spent any time in society uh, knows that despite the beautiful glimpses of God's grace we can find, it can be a cool, cruel, and broken place. And we're the product of our heredity, of our genetic makeup, right? And the more we learn about that, um, we can trace uh, genetic inclinations that lead to self-destructive behaviors, right? That can lead to predilections towards substance abuse. That can genetic things in us that like lead us towards depressive thoughts and mental illnesses. We can trace that. But in who we are in and of ourselves, it's broken. and It's affected with sin. But Christ's forgiveness restores our true identity. Uh, let me read uh, 1 John 2.14 again. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives with you and you have overcome the evil one. And really, that should be women, too. Um, But John is capturing our new identity through Christ as someone who knows and belongs to God, who has withstood the lies of the evil one. And this is a key concept in the Bible. I actually, this is where, really, I could really go off the rails because there's so much in Scripture about this because this is one of the key points in Scripture. Um, but I want to share this one passage from Ephesians, um, because I, I love Ephesians. And This is Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, and then I'm actually going to jump to Ephesians 3, 6. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And it's by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness, riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And skipping over to Ephesians 3.6. This is the mystery that throughout, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel's members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Right? That's the mystery, that, that we were meant to be part of God's family, all of us all the peoples of the earth. We're meant to be part of the family of God. We're meant to be part of God's family. Christ's forgiveness transforms us. We move from death to life, from the patterns of the fallen world to the patterns of the kingdom of God. Christ's forgiveness restores our true identity. The person we were created to be, a daughter or son of the Most High God, no longer defined by the dysfunctions of our upbringing, because let's face it, All of our upbringings has had some dysfunctions. No longer defined by hereditary inclinations. No longer defined by our surroundings. Sure, all those things influence us. Those are all part of what made us us. But through Christ's forgiveness, our true identity emerges, an image-bearer of the Most High God, a daughter or son of God, adopted, chosen to be part of God's own family. And one last thing that John teaches us about Christ's forgiveness in the section, is Christ's forgiveness restores our relationship with the world. Um, not only is the world broken, you know, and we've, I've said it before, Jen said it, it's a beautiful world, but it's a broken world. And the world tries to dominate who we are. But the world was not meant to be our master. We were created to rule and tend to the the world. We were not meant to be shaped by the world. We were meant to shape the world. And we're called to shape the world and to bring it into conformity with the will of God. And we fail so much at this task. We have been exploited by the world. And in turn, we exploit the world. Um, But we have a higher calling. This is John. Uh, 15 through 17. Sorry, this is John. First John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Through the forgiveness of Christ, we are restored to our re- right relationship with the world. Right? And right in the beginning of the Bible, we're told what that relationship should be. right? Genesis one twenty-eight: God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it, take charge of the fish in the sea, the birds in the skies, and everything crawling on the ground. We're called to rule the earth for God, not for ourselves, but for God. We're called to rule it as he would to care for it, to steward it. And that's why we work for justice. And I have no problem saying that, that justice is biblical, because these systems of this world are broken. right? And we work not called. We're called to redeem it, to work for it, to work for the least, for the most vulnerable. We're called to reflect Christ's priorities in the world. We're caused to take up the cause of the widows and the orphans. right? And we're called to free and to heal those that are exploited and used. And we're called to respect and care for the environment, right? To make sure that this world functions according to its principles, and that we're that we're in agreement, so that it can more fully display the glory of God. Okay, um, we're not called to use up the world, right? We're called to steward it, to care for it, so it can display the glory of God. In short, instead of being anti-Christs. We're to act as Christians, representatives of Christ in this world. And that's the power of Jesus. That's the power of Jesus' forgiveness of sin. It's restoration. It's restoration because we can be restored to a right relationship with God. And we can be restored to our true identity. And we can be restored to a right relationship with this world. That's what we're called to do. In church, are we living into our calling? Are we living into that restoration? Sometimes. But we can continue. We can continue to go to be fully more fully transformed, to be more fully committed, to look for new ways for God to enter into our lives, to, to restore our relationship with God to live into our true identity, to make this world look a little bit more like the kingdoms of heaven, as we're called to do. Let's pray. Holy Father God, um, it's not us who does all this work, God, it's you who does these transformations. Give us the power to agree with you, teach us how to agree with you, to join with you, to say yes to you, so we can learn to be more like you, so we can look like you, so we can act like you, so we can demonstrate you. Lord, we pray for for those whom we love, Lord, that have fallen away from the faith. Lord, and we we repent. Of the times where we fall away. We know that there's always forgiveness. There's always a chance of repentance. That you're a God of repentance. That wants to restore. That through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have made a way. And teach us to live more fully, and more deeply. into who you are and to who you have made us to be, and to what you have called us to do. In Christ's name, amen.